You would think that the proper way to open the celebration of the season that leads up to Christmas would be with lots of singing and dancing, feasting and merrymaking, to give a, you know, a fitting welcome for the coming of the Christ child, the Messiah, the coming of the Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And instead, what do we get? Advent. The story of Noah and the end of his world with a warning to be on guard against complacency, to be vigilant, to stay awake, and be ready lest the end of the world should catch you by surprise. And so we stop and think, how can this be a fitting celebration for the lovely gift of God, the coming of the Christ child, our Messiah and Savior? Except that remembering past mistakes and regretting them can be for us all a healthy guideline guaranteeing a safer future. So we read the story of Noah. We hear about the unprepared people. We make a promise to God and to ourselves not to be that way the next time. Advent is a time to prepare ourselves now for the end of this world as we know it and to reach out toward the new world about to be born. You know, it's easy to talk about the end of the world. Sometimes it's hard to talk about the end of our world. A couple of months ago, Dear friend of mine died. I mean, he just died dead. He had worked all his life. He had finally graduated from high school. He was a high school teacher. I think he'd been retired about two months. His wife was a, a runner, and he decided he was going to shed some pounds and He was going to at least be able to run a 5K or something like that. And so he went out and he dropped dead. Sometimes we talk about the end of the world. I don't think when Kevin went out that morning to run that he was expecting the end of his world. That is one reason why we must celebrate the coming of the child, Jesus Christ. Maybe the end of the world may just be the end of our world. The Christ child who is the beginning of a new understanding of God's will. God's work is never complete. You see, it's um, more akin to constant change. And we move forward along with him, often in joy, sometimes in sorrow, but always with his tender and lasting love. 
Most every morning I watch uh, the Science Channel for an hour or so about uh, how the universe works or something like that, or the NASA files or those things. And they're always talking about our universe and our expanding universe. And then they try to go back to the moment of the beginning. I did that, I think, on Wednesday morning. They just get so close. Some even speak about the, uh, the God particle. But they can't say the word. And then we look at this ever-expanding universe and go, oh my God, how wondrous is your work in all the world. So, you know, when we think about the end of times, we may be filled with, you know, some pretty dark fears, but we forget that Jesus is always with us now, protecting us, reminding us not to be afraid. Pope John Paul II made that his tagline of every place he went and every people he spoke to, be not afraid. For Jesus has indeed conquered the world. The end of this world is only the beginning of the next one, the next world that holds the promise of lasting peace, joy and happiness, now and through all eternity. Tim read the, the first lesson this morning and the hope and the promise that warriors would beat their swords into plowshares, that we would study war no more And I think of the general who's on the Fox News uh, at least every other day, and he is the uh, head of the organization that studies war. He seems like a very fine man. You know, in Texas we say if a man is a good man, you trust him with the... Uh, with your wife, with your dog, or even with the keys to your pickup truck. I think he's a good man, but I think it's a darn shame that we have to have an institute for the study of war. We want, we long for swords to be hammered into farming equipment. And you know, we have been chosen even before we were born into this world to work in the vineyard of the Lord in this world and in the next. And so this end of this never quite ending world is all about the old world dying and the new world being born 
again, Jesus, who comes as a child, helpless and needy, is always with us as a companion in our journeying home to our Father. And so why do we speak of the second coming, if it's really only another Christmas? You see, a child is born, a child weak and frail and in need of loving care. Some parents are back this morning with their brand new baby. I got to bless the baby before I came down the aisle. See, I start working out there before I ever come down in here. <laughs> Helpless. Has to have mommy and daddy and their loving care. Well, Jesus was that. And it's only the first step of the journey for the child. But Christmas is the annual sign of the beginning of our salvation, of our healing, of our understanding and confirming of who we really are, and that is the children of a loving Father. The second coming is given to us in eschatological fashion. Well, that's a fancy theological word. I could unpack it like Father Mario does, but we'd be here another 20 minutes. <laughs> so I shan't. Did you ever think you'd use the word shan't in a homily? But I shan't. Eschatological, those are the wild words that we read in the book of Revelation or towards the end of the Gospels. Wild words and even wilder images. It's the end time, the end of this world, and of course, you ever had somebody want to argue with you about the book of Revelation or explain to you in, in real terms exactly what it means, every chapter and every verse and every vision? You're a Catholic Christian. I think you can do it in four words. In the end. No, it's going to take five. In the end, God wins. There you go. That's what you needed to know. There's an entire Bible story study in one minute, five words. In the, in the end, God wins. That's all you need to know then you need to know if you're still on his side. With all the terrible happenings around us in this world, you know, sometimes we think, and I know, I know, we think that living in this life is simply not worth the bother. Yeah, it can get that way sometimes. But it is more than that. For out of the pain and sorrows of the past 
God molds his future. With every bit of the past tears and the present sorrows that goes with it, God changes broken people, crucified people, to help them realize that this was the stuff out of which he created his own son's sacrifice. If you feel beat down, look again. If you feel broken, look again. That's what God uses. That was at the center of his son's sacrifice. And so at the end of the world, Jesus comes in glory on angels' wings, calling all the peoples together, and thus a new world is born. And that should give us all a reason to hang on and to hold hope. But the best is left for last, and it's the one we should pay the most attention to which is another kind of coming, the coming of Advent. Advent doesn't mean Jesus came down to save us and then returned home, although if you read the story, that seems to be what he indeed did. Hmm, that sounds like a hillbilly wrote that, although that seems to be what he done did. That's it. The Son of God was made man and dwelt among us. The Greek says, he pitched his tent among us. That speaks to a people who lived as nomads. The Son of God was made human and he pitched his tent among us. And you know what? He's here to stay. From now to the end of time, Jesus promises, I will be with you, and you will be my people. And that's a real promise. It's one you can hang on to. It's God's promise. Amen.